To this podcast, please be advised this is a book discussion, not a review. We will talk about the plot, we will speculate, there will be spoilers, and we are not any kind of authority. If you haven't read Gideon or Harrow the Ninth, go read them first and then come back and enjoy. Welcome to Read This Fucking Book, episode 27, Harrow the Ninth by Tamsin Muir. This is going to be a supplemental because, uh, as everyone who listened to episode 26 knows, uh, we promised another book. But hey, it's kind of been a whole year, and this was waiting for us. Yeah, this was a really good um, opportune moment to reinstate our podcast and... It's a natural follow-up. Yes, um... You know, it, it stuff happens, and but I'm glad that we're back. I was actually just on the Sartorial Geek podcast talking about Gideon the Ninth, um, and I promised on there that we would be back. So here we are. I'm excited. Yeah, we keep our promises. I mean, uh, it's been like two months, right? Because that's um, what it feels like. <laughs> I I was I was doing. I, I take full responsibility for this podcast being on hiatus so long, but I was doing a career training and somehow working two jobs and being a single mom and, um, you know, learning a new profession and reorganizing my entire life to be an entrepreneur was like making it really hard to read. I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, but yeah. And we had our <laughs> other podcast going as well that took up any tiny bit of time that you had. Yeah. It was five chapters a week and I, I could in fact, most of the time handle five chapters a week i may have <laughs> i may have skimmed or skipped entire chapters every now and then yeah so hello if you are joining us uh having come from buckheap radio if not go check out buckheap radio if you like epic fantasy because we have another one over there all right um shall we shall we just get into the best book ever um yeah i'm i'm into that i'm here for that okay so we read Harrow the Ninth. It's book two of the Locked Tomb Trilogy by Tamsin Muir. It was published, uh, I believe, in August of 2020. They pushed it back a little bit because of COVID by Macmillan Tor. So uh, this basically came, just came out a few months ago. Uh, usually we summarize the plot, but I kind of, I put one of the gifts of the confused lady doing math in her head <laughs> in our notes talk. <laughs> Because I feel like trying to summarize this book, well, I would not do a good job. I, if you want to go for it, Elena, you can. But I feel like I would just talk for an hour and a half and then be like, maybe? Is that right? Yeah, no. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a confession. I spent about four hours this morning putting together a chronological timeline of the major events of this book. It was not easy, but um, I'm pretty sure I can sum this one up. So... I'm a Gideon it up, uh, cut right to the important points, because details are for suckers. Spoiler warning. <laughs> Spoilers, because here it comes, bitches. Um, so, Harrow gave herself a lobotomy to section off Gideon's soul so she wouldn't absorb it, in hopes, we presume, of being able to give Gideon a body again someday, because genius necromancer plus Lictor, surely that's possible. But that means she had to forget Gideon even existed, and rewrite her own memories of Caden House to erase her in order not to absorb her soul. So we pick up Harrow's adventures after leaving with God and Ianthe to go fight monsters with him in the far reaches of space. 
She's not a full lictor who has a second soul to pilot the body while she is in spirit spaces and has to make up for that by being a genius and paranoid as fuck. She gets a lot of shitty training that doesn't make sense for fighting things that don't make much sense. She's sick and weak all the time because self-directed brain surgery plus soft necromancer lifestyle. <laughs> she, can't, she can't trust anybody because these people have all been around for 10,000 years and have their own agendas and schemes and or is Ianthi. And they all chose to, mur to murder their cavaliers to become lictors. And some of them are trying to kill Harrow. And Gideon's sword hates her because it's haunted. Harrow, le <laughs> <laughs> Harrow learns to kill planets and do necromancy in the spirit space versus meat space. Only it's actually sort of both they, that they call the river. Spliced into that current timeline narrative, so it creates sort of a patchwork broken timeline, we get what seem to be Harrow's altered or are they? Maybe Gideon was a figment of her own imagination, or Harrow's self-acknowledged schizophrenia. Memories of Canaan House, where all the wrong people die, and weird notes appear that say different things to Harrow than they do to other people. And her cavalier really was Ortis the Ophus poet, and something called the Sleepers trying to kill them because they all delve too deep into Moria. And then there's a conspiracy to kill God, which is introduced at the beginning via chapter heading time notes, such as 14 months before the Emperor's murder, or 8 months before the Emperor's murder. So you spend the whole book knowing some seriously major shit is going down, and being totally confused by Hera's perspective, because she's both confused and brain damaged, and also maybe schizophrenic. Oh, speaking of, she keeps seeing visions of the body she found in the tomb when she was 10 and has been in love with ever since. And Cytheria's dead body is also haunting her, only that one she can actually touch. Ugh, it's complicated, okay? You did a really good job because all of this is laid out. I mean, we're going to call Tamsin a genius a lot. Yeah. But in this, in this genius way where all of the pieces of the timeline are presented out of order and... You some of the headings that are like you know five months before the emperor's murder are just question mark question mark before the emperor's murder so you have no idea when it happened and you're just kind of on this journey being pulled along the plot and I, I mean you have faith that something's going to happen and you're going to maybe figure it out eventually but I spent <laughs> the first two thirds of this book on the first read just looking around going i don't know what's happening just saying what saying what the fuck and sending me texts yeah. like i am so confused i do not know anything that is going on <laughs> i'm confused i like it but i'm so confused uh the second read though i mean this is one of those books that really gives like the more you read it the more you you see the more you understand yes. and I, I mean i love that i love that yeah i mean it, it is really one where the the first read you're you're reading purely for coherence and you have to get to the end to even sort of get it um mm -hmm. and then on the second read you're really able to um i mean it's not even just that you appreciate it more it's like there's literally coded pieces of information that you understand in the in the reread that you didn't pick up on the first read um mm -hmm. i'm trying to think like a, an um an example of that would be um, like there's something in maybe chapter two where we hear someone talking about Ortis the first and their mouth looked funny, which, you know, at the time as a reader and like, oh, okay, that's one of the, you know, emperor's other lictors. We don't, we haven't met him yet. Whatever. Weird that it's the same, you know, name as the, um, guy from the ninth house, but maybe not like they seem like they recycle a lot of names, whatever. Um, and so it's only when you get, you know, get later on and you realize that Harrow has 
like literally coded her brain to overwrite the name Gideon with Ortis that you understand why their mouth looked funny like it's not a lisp or like a weird accent like it's literally they're saying another name and yeah well and that's funny too because she's a genius but she can't account for every single thing and so she only intended to kind of overwrite her Gideon and instead overwrote the you know the existence of all Gideons in, <laughs> right. you know like Gideon isn't a name it's not a possible name she would never hear it she would just hear Ortis and I love that because she said saint of duty most of the time but there had to have been a point where she was calling him Ortis and everyone just went with it oh no one like well no there's told her, like <laughs> there's there's definitely a time where she says Ortis the first is trying to kill me and Mercy Morn is like who and but, but then she just lets it go because she like Mercy Morn does not give a fuck about Harrow, you know. Yeah, we'll get to Mercy because I love Mercy. Like I kind of, <laughs> she might be my favorite in the whole book. Um, but yeah, I think and also Anthe was in on the joke. So anytime she would slip in front of Anthe, Anthe would probably just reinforce it. Yeah. But yeah. What, what is it you call the saint of duty again? What is his first name? Ortis. <laughs> <laughs> that that is one of the a great example. I think uh, another example is all the notes that Wake has left, mm. um, or at least the recordings. I'm kind of not sure wh- where they come from. Like, are they notes that Wake left in the bubble, or are are they memories that are kind of like slipping into the reality? Right. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, it could be based on things that they picked up in Canaan house. I'm not, I don't even know, but that, those are like one of the mysteries that I'm hoping comes back out. But yeah, when you reread the notes that are, you will eventually understand are from wake. They make a lot more sense. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, it, it's kind of, I don't know, like early on, um, it, I wondered if they had something to do with Gideon's inception because like the, it's the first one is the eggs you gave me all died. Mm-hmm. And you know, the eggs all gave, the eggs you gave me all died and you lied to me because we know that like Gideon is found at like the doorstep of the ninth house, you know, with a, with her mother dead or dying. And like the only dying, I guess the only word she says is Gideon. And that's why they named the the baby Gideon. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so the eggs dying and all that, I don't know, maybe there was something there, but it, the rest of it is just nonsensical, just angry sort of ghost ranty, stuff yes until you have some context for the story right where she's talking about when you realize that who she's talking about who she's referencing mm-hmm. and who she's threatening um but yeah i'm wondering if they were like like journal entries of some kind based like from you know when she was pregnant in space on her way to the ninth house yeah or because it seems like she wasn't in contact with anyone yeah. She was alone. Or maybe it was a something that she left behind, you know, assuming that um that would be read later by um uh uh either Gideon or you know, Pira or both. Yeah, um, I'm not that part is still like I understand we're just gonna get into the nitty gritty stuff. I understand that Wake was a revenant and then like eventually jumped from her own body to the sword that Gideon carried around possibly when her body was destroyed which I think Gideon says that happened around when she was eight years old I think so I don't know if that's when she got the sword she must have gotten the sword later that's really early to get a sword yeah um 
she uh yeah I, 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 well when when Harrow's talking about it later she said i felt like that sword wanted to kill me for years so it's you know <laughs> so it's right so <laughs> assuming she was like an early teen or whatever when yeah. she started her training and she was issued that sword and she would go every single day to talk to her mother eventually the revenant jumped from the body the bones to her the sword and either that or you know. either that or she had already jumped to the sword and that was why the the sister was so insistent that that be the one that they give to Gideon like maybe but that wasn't supposed to be a new sword from storage well yeah it was a sword from storage but you know maybe she, maybe that one she just went to that one was the one that she went to and then you know was able to exert some sort of minor you know emotional influence on whoever picked it I don't know yeah, I feel, I mean, I know, I know from, from stuff that Palamides has said, uh, and what, from what Abigail has said, that the Revenant has to have some kind of connection, and I think the connection was that that was Gideon's sword already. Mm, okay, and she, yeah. she, like, constantly went to visit her mother and, like, had that, not that, like, Wake was, like, enamored of her child, but, you know, yeah. there's that blood Yeah, it's, connection. it's definitely a connection. So she's in the sword, right? Wake's in the sword. Eventually, she jumps to Kitharea, and when she's stabbed that that time, right? Which yeah. Is when Hera wakes up with the sword in her, I think that's when, right? Not when she's killed at Canaan House, right? That I, I think so too, and that's kind of hinted at in the text later when John is like, um, God uh, is kind of interrogating Wake in Kitharea's body, and right. he he's like, "You weren't in her body at Canaan House, so when did you get there?" Right. Okay, great. Uh, glad we're on the same page with that. And, but so that I'm like, okay, well, did she, where, you know, when she's a revenant, she's stuck in these, you know, she's stuck in like basically the, the meat, the meat world, the meat realm, you know, the mortal realm and would not have been in the river. So I just don't know where else the, the journal entries would have come from. Yeah, unless the unless it was happening in real time, like when the sleeper was in the bubble, she was writing those messages down for, mm. which I guess could possibly have been. Yeah, that's, that's... it's the weird messages. They're weird things to say, but I guess ghosts are insane. <laughs> yeah, or you know, she was just transcribing, you know, a letter. The only, maybe it's the only thing she could write. Like here, here's one that's funny when you know what it means. I will, re- I will remember the first time you kissed me. You apologized. You said, I am sorry. Destroy me as I am. But I want to kiss you before I am killed. And I said to you, why? And you said, because I have only once met someone so utterly willing to burn for what they believed in. And I loved him on sight. And the first time I died, I asked of him what I now ask of you. I kissed you. And later, I would kiss him too, before I understood what you were. And all three of us lived to regret it. And like... The first time you nonsense when you read, yeah, it. like what nonsense. the fuck does that mean? <laughs> and then you're like, oh, well, there's the clues right there. I was just too stupid to understand. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, now that you've read the, 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 now that you've made that timeline, I think when I do my next reread, I'm probably going to read it in chronological order just to see if that really cements details in my mind. Okay. Um, I think that that's really cool. Yeah, that would be really- well. One thing that I did um, on on you know reading through um, a second time for this uh, podcast was to read the sections from Gideon's point of view and Harrow's point of view separately. So it's like I read like the the main novel, mm. which is 
told from Gideon's point of view, that's all the second, uh, mm-hmm. second person, you know, telling this story to Harrow. And then the Harrow sections, which are the events at Canaan House, but that are in the bubble. So they're all the false memories and the, this isn't how it happened stuff right. um, as like a second um, story. And there's a lot of, I, I don't know if it really like makes much of a difference, but it, it, it was less distracting that way. So I think it made um, certain things easier to follow. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be a good strategy. Uh, I'm really, I mean, I've read this book now three times and I'm still super into it. So love that. Uh, <laughs> we got really excited and kind of went off track. So I want to back us up a little bit. Yeah. Um, we had lots of like different sections in our notes and I, this book has just so much going on. Uh, I started out with all the weird fucking shit, right? So I have many, many questions, but the first question is this kind of original conceit, which I assume we will find out in the third book, Electo the Ninth. But what did God do? What was the resurrection? What caused it? What was the result? Was it, was it a result or was it a cause? Like, what are your theories? Oh, fuck. Um, I... Like, what's a resurrection beast? Why do they, you know, like, why do they come after people with this perfect sin? Why can't they kill God? Like, all that, all that. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't even know because, like, it, there's so much that's kind of, con- you know, contradictory um, ab- about it. Because, like, on the one hand, you have basically the... Um, like, from Wake, you know, is basically saying, um, telepathy, did the 10 billion give you that too? How many babies died in the bomb, yes. Gaius? You know, all of them. Necromancy is a disease you released, which obviously is, like, saying, okay, he... And and, and I think you had pointed this out. Um, he, he talks about uh, when Harrow told him about her parents genocide to create her that he calls it it was a kind of resurrection so that implies like that the the act of resurrection is born from like this massive death but then you know when augustine's kind of going at him later he you know tells tells him stop your mission um stop you know expanding stop this invasion force let it go let them go nobody has to be punished anymore for what happened to humanity so like who is them like if that sounds like you know something was done to our planet and to humans that you know john has been trying to get revenge on or protect us from it ever happening again or something so like what the fuck yeah i think I think that, like, a good way to approach it, at least for me, is I've been thinking, like, well, what is the structure of the universe now? Mm-hmm. And so God is, you know, John Gaius is, a.k.a. God. Uh, he is somehow connected with Dominicus the Sun. But Dominicus is powered by him. He is not powered by Dominicus. That's what they say in the text. And right. that if God dies, the Sun will also die. So that, to me, means that Dominicus is our Sun. And then what follows is you know the first house is probably earth right it was all watery and dead mm-hmm. um the sixth house is on a space station that orbits the sun the ninth house is probably on some godforsaken asteroid or maybe even pluto you know mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter but something really far out where this you know light doesn't really go and everything else is kind of spread in between maybe uh the seventh house is on venus or something and 
you know, like all, so it's our solar system. Right. But that doesn't mean that there are not other humans, right? Like everyone within what I would consider soul system, our system, they're necromancers, that everything's powered on necromancy, their technology, they use, you know, thalogy and thanergy as their conceit of technology, right? They don't have batteries and electricity and nuclear bombs. Right. But then there's all these other humans, right, which were introduced sort of halfway through to this concept of the blood of Eden. Their technology seems completely different. And they must be from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Like, they have the ability to go light speed. Like, there's all these comments like, how did you get here so fast? Because, you know, at the very beginning, Gaius explains that to get where he keeps the Mithraeum, it would take a really long time. That's why they use the river. Yeah, like it would take they years these... to go from steel to steel. Or, or Yeah, they have this, like, gate system that are, like, linked, which is very, like, Mass Effect, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, where you have like just lots of linked places where you can jump to. So maybe these, you know, all these other humans who obviously think that necromancy is bad and who want to stop all of it uh, are from elsewhere and they have different, like they, they have actual like FTL drives and all that kind of cool stuff. Yeah, um, it, it, it it's definitely ambitious ambiguous but i feel like there's enough textual support that implies that it's our solar system um i mean the the nine resurrection beasts you know for the original nine planets that would have um died in the initial resurrection is a big clue Mm -hmm. and then and i also think that like ten thousand years ago was around now mm -hmm. only because of gaius's jokes Which are all very jokes of now. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Which is actually kind of amazing because you could put like these Tumblr jokes, you know, all these memes in a book. And then in five, ten years, they're all outdated and they don't make any sense. But if you are indicating the age of a very important character mm. with those references, they become textually significant. So yeah, they're funny mm-hmm. and they're funny to a specific generation and intend it, you know, and may may kind of go under the radar in future years, but they are important. And anyone who wants to look up, like wake me up inside or, you know, any of the, or, you know, like any of that shit would understand, you know, uh, jail for mother, all that stuff. They're like, okay, circa. 2018 2019 like the you know the mid aughts <laughs> yeah so yeah no that's a that's a really fantastic point um that it 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 can be read as a like as an aging of like when was this man alive as a human mm-hmm. and then it kind of thinks okay because like, then they, they talk about the bombs and it's like all right well did humanity like just nuke themselves to hell and they were in complete disarray and this guy was like i got a theory i think i know how to fix everything but it requires me to kill everyone that's left and then he does it he uses that that energy to resurrect everyone Mm -hmm. because i think augustine was resurrected doesn't he say that yes um the man like before like the man you were before would have spit in my face or something yeah yes or you know torn torn my throat out or torn your throat out or something like that but you know and augustine says thank you for confirming that and maybe it's you know confirming like a personality shift but i took it as confirming that i knew you before the resurrection Mm -hmm. that we we were known to one another before 
but like nobody yeah. has any memory of of before before yeah because they were dead <laughs> but but dead in a different way because obviously like we're encountering like ghosts and revenants and spirits you know that do remember their human life um in, right. you know in the in the river and you know wake obviously as a revenant was able to remember you know her human self and mission um in the world in the physical world as well so yeah yeah so may but maybe that's an, an aspect that became possible because of the resurrection that so somehow maybe that changed the process of human dying and what happens to our souls i think so because remember abigail says that she thinks that it's possible to cross the river mm -hmm. and this the stroma that opened that take people to hell like that's obviously going somewhere if you cross the river that's obviously another place too and you know i i just i just wonder like is the necromancy reality the same timeline? Is it a different, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about like layers of reality, like it could be like a little bit of a shift over. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I have no idea. I'm sure, you know, hopefully we'll learn in this third book, like what the fuck is going on. Right? <laughs> but it, it, it makes me like, just like, just, just trying to map out the way everything looks and like how the technology works and how the timeline works and what was the resurrection? Like, what did he do to become God? Like, yeah, I, that's in itself. We could do a whole fucking podcast on that, but we, we, we can't. <laughs> um, what is the next thing we had on here? Oh yeah. You had a section about all the different names, which I thought, um, I think anyone listening, if you haven't read Tamsin's AMA on Reddit, it's a really great, really great resource um she talks about you know not everything but she hints at what she was doing with a lot of the names and what they mean and some of them are actually jokes in mm. themselves okay uh, so yeah so I, I didn't actually have a chance to look that up so i i made notes about some of the names that um i stood out to me as definitely meaning something um i mean and so just on the on this continuing from sure you know was this our earth and was you know what was the resurrection um so like canaan house is it's obviously canaan house and then blood of eden are both vaguely biblical and in um i had, I had to look this up i'm not any sort of biblical scholar um i'll be upfront about Same. that <laughs> but, yeah, me, me neither but um in, in the bible uh the the canaans or the canaanites were a tribe that the israelites had to destroy in order to win themselves a homeland so you know that's kind of textual support for a massacre of some sort in order to claim mm -hmm. a home and then there's a, a second there's a, a reference to you know I think at the end with Augustine and Mercy after they think they've killed John that's basically like well it's out there somewhere a home that doesn't have to be paid for in blood um, yeah uh, so that was one and then Pyrrha I wondered if that's related to like Pyrrhic victory um, Gideon in the Bible is basically uh, a warlord like God tells him <laughs> you know go conquer this um, you know this these people and the proof of my assistance is going to you know take the israelites back israelites back to me and away from the false god that they've been worshiping and you know so thirty thousand men answer gideon's call and god's like no that's too many send them home and like 300 are what he's allowed to go you know fight this battle with um 
But I was like, okay, so he's basically God's attack dog. Yeah, got yep. it. That's what he does. Um, yep. Augustine's a Roman emperor. Mercy Morin, that sounded like a medieval nun. Uh, I know, <laughs> like I know, Cassiopeia is a Greek queen of some sort, or maybe um, Egyptian queen of some sort, but I don't know her history like at all. And like Anastasia, that was a Russian princess or the one of the the lost daughter of the Romanovs before they, um, or as they were, you know killed um right and she was supposed to have not become a, she's the only one that didn't actually become a lictor yeah the only one of his saints quote unquote that didn't become a lictor and she founded the ninth house yeah 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 so there's that whole disappearance but where's the body kind of mm-hmm. kind of you know thing yeah so e- even without having actually looked to see what um tamsin had to say for herself there's a lot that can be extrapolated from the names or th- oh yeah yeah and it beca- it becomes actually kind of like fun too to kind of think where did she get the name and what does it mean i mean some of them might just be fucking names but yeah yeah <laughs> uh, next up on our list is haunted swords well we, we kind of talked about the the when when did wake um enter the body in general and how did she get to the sword yes. Um, we got excited and went straight to the haunted sword because that's the coolest thing. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I mentioned it in my in my you know about the book, so you know it was right there, just sort of flopped on the table, you know, staring at us. Um, mm-hmm. But we can talk about hauntings in general with a a, a bit more. Um, so okay, so Abigail says to Harrow that she's being haunted and that she has like she's been haunted, um, and we kind of assume she's talking about wake because wake is, I think it's pretty clearly the sleeper and yeah. Um, but I also wondered if she's being haunted by electo um, AL um, like did, I don't know, somehow did electo's soul or whatever we're calling it um, attach itself to Harrow when she went into the tomb when she was 10 because she was a living body. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the implication is that Electo is quote unquote alive, and Mercy Morton would say alive as she could be. Yeah. Um, which we could table that. But yeah, it's like maybe maybe she did kind of attach herself to this living person that came in. But also that's how how Harrow got into the tomb in the first place is she had fought with Gideon mm-hmm. and she had Gideon's blood all on her hands and up under her nails. And if she's already the perfect Lictor's cavalier with John Gaius, then that DNA may have called to her and she may have anchored, mm. I think, mm-hmm. in a weird way, even though she wasn't yet a revenant. Yeah. But neither is Gideon. And still Gideon can is anchoring in her body. And, you know, mm-hmm. so I think that that's clearly possible. Yeah. Um, but I just, I you know, I just wondered if, if Abigail might have seen something besides Wake there and like not Gideon, but like if, if you know, if she'd seen mm-hmm. um, Electo too. And that kind of, because Harrow describes herself as mad. Like she literally thinks that she's schizophrenic because she's been seeing yeah. these things since she was a child. But maybe she was never like seeing anything that wasn't there um it was just maybe stuff that only she could see but that doesn't necessarily mean that i mean she was the only necromancer in the in the room like of course there was going to be shit she could see that nobody else could see yeah no i think so too. yeah and and because she's such a powerful necromancer because she's not just a born necromancer she's a made necromancer mm-hmm. she's made 
in like a mini way, the same way that John made himself. Mm-hmm. You know, she's the you know the culmination of all of those all of those deaths. So yeah, I think she can see things that maybe other people can't. She certainly would would seem very similar to John Gaius to Electo. Mm-hmm. You know, like her her energy sig- signature, like all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And this gets to my question about what is the emperor and what is electo yes i so i admit i did go on reddit just to see what other people were saying most of the stuff that people were saying i i i thought it was intriguing and i'm trying to figure out how to like merge it with my theory so lots of people think that electo is an ai hmm. some kind of robot hmm. because she doesn't have a dna structure according to mercy morn and like you know any of that uh so that and she was a monster and she couldn't have emotions or like whatever. So that's interesting. But my personal theory is that she is a resurrection beast trapped in a body. Mm. Well, we never do get a full count of how the uh, six of the nine are dealt with. Like, I think we get three and then the subject sort of gets dropped. Right. Because um, I know I know they definitely didn't go through six. And I, I mean, if she's a resurrection beast, my guess is that she's the one that was from Earth, because yeah, she's the the first one. Yeah, because there's a comment someone in the um, bubble makes. Oh, when when teacher is like getting trying to get drunk on like the dandelion, you know, tincture or whatever <laughs> the fuck it is, and <laughs> bemoaning the fact that he can't. Um, and he 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 has this really great. Um, speech about how it it came from the ocean and like it was horrible and you know what was that thing well like that would you know i was like i don't know was she like a, a kraken or a siren you know or something you know right some, did like a hell mouth open up and she's what came out yeah some like... non-human and you know non non-living intelligence but not like machine somehow or you know organic or from a spirit realm but like earth's resurrection beast would make complete sense yeah and i, I it also makes sense just because like the eyes are scary and and you know where does the body come from maybe the body was ai maybe they built something to house it and they did some weird like necromantic shit to get her into it Mm -hmm. and that was like one of the original sins and maybe that's what caused whatever the terrorism incident is that all the bombs and stuff that they're talking about Mm -hmm. um i don't know i like I, i have no idea but it just it intrigues me so much to think that one of the reasons that they had to hide her was because she would be drawn to him wherever he was because all resurrection beasts are drawn to him mm-hmm. and and they can't kill him why can't they kill him like i don't i get you know because he recoalesces everyone but i'm like if you trapped him in like a time loop and just kept blowing him up <laughs> you know just let him coalesce and blow him up again perfect solved it i solved everything <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, there's also the question, um, and you know, this kind of came up for me at the end with um, when Gideon is watching, you know, Ianthe make her choice, who am I going to save, Augustine or, mm-hmm. or John, and she saves John, and Gideon's like, what the fuck are you doing? Why would you save the guy that <laughs> lied to everyone about everything, you know, but at the same time, 
It's like, well, like what actually does happen if he if he dies? Is he lying about being the the power for Dominicus, or right. is is that actually true? And would you, in fact, kill everybody, you know, in the solar system if exactly? I think that's what makes Ianthe so interesting because she does suck, but I but she could have been thinking, I'm going to save the universe, yeah, and not specifically him. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Even though he fucking deserves to get sucked into that weird butthole. Oh, God, he was such a tool. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. Like, he was always that way for me. Like, the entire book, I was like, this guy is a bad guy. One, he's calling himself God. That's never good. Yeah. Like, it's never good when a guy who used to be mortal is like, I'm God now. I'm like, no, nah, you're a bad guy. <laughs> like, like, maybe you did it for all the right reasons. Yeah. But you feel like a bad guy. Yeah. But have the humility not to call yourself God if, like, you know. Right. Well, that seems like maybe it wasn't his choice. Like, maybe it seems like the cult grew up around him and he kind of completely lost control over it and then just decided to use it. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I'm just like, you know, this is like the extra, like, you know, every, it's like, okay, you you just have no compunction against using living people as your your energy like source like forever yeah yeah forever like that's wrong yeah i don't maybe i'm too puritan but (laughs) no i mean i i I love that you had like bad vibes you know about him the whole time because i was kind of taken in by his mild-mannered like you know sort of aw shucks you know um thing Mm -hmm. and until like we get to the end and he was like i for me the moment i knew that this dude's a fucking tool um was when he says to uh uh gideon prime maybe that's what we can we can call him um (laughs) gideon prime okay yeah um (laughs) that like I, i i'm not even mad at you for failing to fix or put down harrow so like you know that means that he ordered it. He ordered it. Why would he order it? Why would he order that? Is it because Harrow is a comp- a competitor for him because she's basically done exactly what he did? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So the only way to kill him must be through Electo, and that is why he hid her away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really don't think that as much as the other lictors might have not liked her, um, I think ultimately the reason he agreed to let her be hidden and to like put her down was because he didn't want them to figure out that if they killed her, then they would be able to kill him. Right. And them killing their cavaliers and eating their souls makes them lictors, makes them powerful, but not as powerful as him because they can still be killed. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and he also clearly has like way more ability than them because he's got, you know, eight, you know, 10 billion souls or whatever. Right. Yeah. In, in there as his battery but if that's true they would have to do the same thing like they, like their cavaliers were not resurrection beasts so it's a little like i don't know i mean i guess that knowledge is really important and we will we will we will find out but it is very exciting yeah especially that like that last I mean, the dinner party, the soup, like all of those, like every time they go into the cafeteria, I got excited. (laughs) (laughs) So many, so much cool shit happened in that shitty, you know, space station cafeteria kitchen thing. Yes. Um, Before we move on from uh, from the the sort of parallels between John Electo and then 
Harrow, Gideon. What mm-hmm. so what I what I came away from like the reread with was goddamn Harrow is holding her own against like full lictors and you kind of the first time you kind of read it just thinking it's because she's that much of a genius but you know I, I also wonder how much of it is because she's a parallel to John and that she is you know in her way she is a resurrection um and she mm-hmm. you know she has more kind of souls around her like even Abigail talks about that like I counted at least 150 you know um so right and Gideon was made after the omission oh shudder was made after uh, you know John had already done the swap right he was already God his cavalier is already a resurrection beast Mm -hmm. there could be something there too where like Mm -hmm. yeah she's the daughter of God but she's also kind of the daughter of this like Mm -hmm. resurrection beast because she was in you know she was in John's body for at least a little bit. That's how the switch goes. Yeah. That's how they get each other's eyes. So maybe there's a little bit of like some extra earth resurrection beast oomph in there. Mm-hmm. That like makes her an extra powerful battery for someone like someone like Harrow, who's already super powerful because she was like the maid, the, you know, mm-hmm. the maid necromancer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it just, um, Oh, yeah, so so much, so much, like... Assuming that my theory is correct, which I really hope is correct. But if it's not, I will accept it and move on. I'm sure it's something just as cool. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, I, I would I would say at this point, I very much trust, like, Tamsin's authorial c- capacity. If it's it's this or something better. But, like, it, this is what... Like, that's the theory that... Like, I don't, yeah, John, I don't yeah. presume to figure it out. Either. I literally <laughs> just, like, throw theories out there. But I'm like, but whatever Tamsin wants to do, because I do not know. Yeah, but, but I, <laughs> I, I would say based on the evidence in the text that we've been presented with, that is a, like, um, Electo as Earth's resurrection beast is significantly more likely than pure AI or, you know any or pure demon or hell you know hell spawn or something right. like that i mean magic still exists like we're talking about necromancy so magic exists yeah so i'm like i'm cool with it not being something super logical and you know like maybe something like a resurrection beast maybe these planets do have souls maybe these planets do want fucking revenge you know like they want to find the person that killed them yeah like <laughs> fuck them up <laughs> so yeah i'm i'm cool with that uh what's next the river yeah let's yeah the river so this gets into there are so many amazing parallels in these books and so and and we talked about this in Gideon where it kind of like it felt like I was you know reading all of my favorite books mashed into one like it had Gormagast vibes and it had like Gene Cook vibes and you know it had Clue and like all these just lots of cool things and Harrow does not disappoint in the least on that with with things like the river because if you go back to our very first episode of read this fucking book what did we read we read sabriel yep and again a river with necromancers like head explode amazing if it's not a direct homage i just don't tell me that like, yeah it has to be to me well like, I, I would i would say there's textual support for that because when they're summoning like matthew um Nanius, like there's that they they use that bell that old bell and that was just oh you know, yeah, yeah the bell oh my god that just gives i'm like like yeah. goosebumps on my arms <laughs> so good so good and all like oh the poetry stuff we have to talk about yeah too. but yeah we'll get, we'll get there, there. <laughs> just, this book is so amazing um yeah but like the river is like because like in sabriel which i love i love those books 
you know, the river is, is, is clean. It's got like souls in it, but it is not made of putrid, disgusting Ghostbusters <laughs> muck, right? Like it doesn't have like, it's not like pus and blood yeah. and like buttholes and like teeth and tongues and like all that <laughs> shit. But it is still like, there's still layers, right? They talk about how there's different depths, which reminds me of the gates mm-hmm. and like all of that stuff. So that, that was, and, I think. And, and it's both a like a sort of spiritual plane place but also a physical place um because mm-hmm. it like isn't it i mean correct me if i'm if i'm misremembering sabriel here but isn't the thing that she has to do at the end is physically go like not just leave her body and go like her soul goes but like physically she has to go um like into right and she also has kind of like almost a cavalier type mm-hmm relationship with you know with another person who dies for her like oh spoilers for Sabriel but like just so good um and we also have like the competing timelines the different uh the different uh like these are all just they're just great tropes used in ways and I'm not anti-trope I love a good trope like if you but they're just used in ways that make them fresh mm-hmm. that make i have no idea what's going to happen like it, she's a master yeah like she i can't believe i like i can't believe this is like book two like her second novel like fuck right okay. <laughs> um i also love all of the like fandomy shout outs where like ianthe is clearly like a draco kind of draco malfoy kind of character and she confirmed this in ama and it explains what she thought you know what she was doing with ianthe but the ha- calling harrow harry deliberate <laughs> call out yeah like all that stuff like it's very loving because it references the actual like canon of great science fiction and fantasy novels that she obviously clearly read and loved Mm -hmm. but she's also got that metatextual call outs to fandom culture that and i think that's what one of the reasons that these books have caught on so well with people is because they feel seen Mm -hmm. you know like she like tamsin is one of us exactly i was literally just thinking one of us one of us yeah Okay, so we've got the river, which you eventually can enter physically if you're badass enough. All right. Um, so then with the, uh, with the sort of lit crit section, do you want to start with the funny shit or the fangirl shit? Because there's kind of both. Let's do the fangirl shit because I just talked about the fangirl. Okay, yeah. So um, I'm going to I'm gonna pull out my fucking I was an English major card here and, <laughs> you know, say that from a literary criticism perspective, this book is a fucking masterpiece. And, like, ah, uh, I mean, the tonal control is phenomenal. It, this book, yes, like, it, it, it's told from, in the first place, second person point of view, it's very hard to pull off. And she she has two distinct different tones with that which is submerged Gideon who's just sort of like you know clocking the events um and narrating them but not with a lot of personality and then like full-on fucking bam I'm back Gideon and like the switch is unambiguous and like you know the second she pops out like on the page who it is and you're like yes i'm not crazy i wasn't making gideon up she's real she exists she's here <laughs> um, 
And, and then to sort of juxtapose that with the glimpses of Harrow's like personality and how her mind works that we get in the other sections um, and just the way that it, you know, sh it, it's so layered and like there's so much coded information and oh my God, I could just, it's just, it's fucking amazing. It really is. It is really, it's amazing too. And also like I was thinking about this actually while I was in the shower, shower thoughts, I was thinking, you know, one of the things that you have to kind of get over when you start Harrow is that you're not reading about, you're not reading from Gideon's, well, you are, but you're not really reading from Gideon's mind anymore. You're not like mm -hmm. in that Gideon the Ninth kind of like everything is funny and we're going to be like really like sarcastic kind of like role. It's different. It follows the way that Harrow's mind works. And Harrow is funny, but with like a much sharper edge. Mm -hmm. And so when you do get that final switch over, to when Gideon's in her body and like insulting her and like in love with her <laughs> at the same time it's like you know what it fucking wouldn't have worked otherwise like it just wouldn't it wouldn't have been as funny mm -hmm. it wouldn't have been as fist pumpy like I stood up yeah. when I got to, like I turned that page and saw that and like literally had to stand up yes so excited. adrenaline surge like that's what it is yes. like it's a fucking adrenaline like, surge completely adrenaline surge like it's it's like your heart just starts beating you become aware of of your body in a way where it's just like i yes <laughs> yeah it's it was it was incredible the feeling that that switch over and it happens like i don't know like 67 percent of the way through the book like unheard of you've just been a lost soul in the river trying to figure shit out but kind of losing your mind and then mm -hmm. you get this anchor of gideon coming back and just slinging all these jokes at us and you're and it just wouldn't have worked otherwise like the 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 tension between the two of them is just ugh. yeah, hundo p. <sighs> yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm I'm sitting here flipping through the book trying to to figure it out. Um, okay, so it's chapter forty four out of um, uh, fifty three. It's page three hundred and eighty seven in the hard copy out of um, like just over five hundred. So it, it's yeah, it, it's, it's not way in it's there. not sixty seven percent. It's like eighty percent of the way through the book that you finally get that um, reconciliation. And and Gideon's just as confused really as you are. Like maybe maybe not quite as confused, but she doesn't know what the fuck's going on. She's just fighting bees. Her, the muscles don't work. Like, <laughs> she, just... she doesn't understand why the thumb grows back. <laughs> she It's just the juxtaposition of like this high drama romantic kind of statements and then like just nonsense where she's like Harrowhark I gave you my whole life and you didn't even want it actually scratch that the main thing I should have said was squats are a start or a couple of star jumps they're not difficult <laughs> it's, just like... it's just so Gideon and you've just been waiting for her to come back for that whole time yeah just insult Harrow to her face oh god the back of her eyes but but even that, that even that weight like was was I mean, going back to the sort of literary brilliance of that, of, of how this book is structured, because she found a way to give the reader what they wanted, which is, well, we want to know what happens to Harrow, but we also kind of want more like time with our friends from Canaan House. And like, so literally we get to go back to Canaan House and see it from an entirely different point of view. And it's, it's like not in some cheap flashback sort of way, because 
it, in the first place, it makes you, well, at least it made me, like, totally question, God, did the second book even happen? Or was, like, Gideon a figment of her own imagination? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Right, right. You know? But you, you're right. It builds on their characters based mm-hmm. on what you know from the first book. Um, but, like, it's is relevant to the plot and it's different it, like it's not it's not just like let's have a flashback to you know memorialize Gideon or like remember you know her relationship with Camilla and Palamides or, or, or you know anything like that like no it's like it's totally different and fresh it's different and fresh and everyone gets their kind of their time because everyone who got killed off in the first one gets to come back and like get to do sh- they get to do shit and become a real character mm-hmm. and then everyone who had like you know more more to do they're they're off stage right that's i think that's one of the reasons that she sent uh the ki- you know the kids off the terrible teens off mm-hmm. um one because i i i have a personal theory that they're coming back again and their knowledge would have interrupted because they lasted longer mm. but that they also would have asked too many questions I think their personalities would have, you know, mm-hmm. been in the way. But also we kind of got to know them a little bit more. We had more jokes with them and they were definitely connected to Gideon in a way that they needed to be off off stage. Yeah. Right? They needed, they couldn't be there. They would have messed things up because we needed that quiet humor of, you know, Ortis. And we needed to, to, re, to, to meet finally the real Dulcinea. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just kind of just beautifully epically done and i was reading it thinking it would be nearly impossible but it is very film worthy like there's something screen writey about the different timelines and the tone shifts and then the reveals and you know the different parallel storylines that i think would make incredible television not that that would ever happen right um but yeah, like it's it's it is it's definitely a very visual um like storytelling that happens because like there's so much that gets like especially with the um in the in the in the scene right is like everything's sort of coming together at the end where you, there's that I think it's three chapters in a row with um Harrow and they're all wrong. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, like different. Oh, yeah. The, the AUs. <laughs> the fans. Yeah. AUs. Yes. 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 The one where like Harrow was the cavalier because Gideon was. The, I love that's my you know, favorite of the AUs. The cuckoo necromancer. And then the one where they're all at some. I guess this is the one where John realized that Gideon was his daughter. Um, and, you know, some, somehow that came out. And so the because it's all a. Uh, uh, like a, a, a coming out party or or not right they're trying they're to, trying like, to meet meet the, the, princess. the princess yeah yeah and then one where you know harrow joined the army or the you know whatever they call it the, the marine the space marines the space navy right the coffee bar yeah you, the berry star yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was the one like, clearly clearly that's like the most fanficy one to have the coffee au like my head exploded <laughs> when that started happening i was like what <laughs> it's like mm, so good but my favorite still is the one where harrow was harrow was the cavalier because it implied that harrow hadn't been made into a necromancer with the deaths of everyone in her house her house was still flourishing there were people alive so she became the necromancer and this other person who came in which I assume was Gideon mm-hmm. because um uh what's his fuck? What is his name? 
not Ortis, the other one. Yeah, but some, somebody calls her a cuckoo, which... Yeah, cuck- yeah, cuckoo bird, which is like a replacement. Yeah. So to me, that means like a new baby was brought in mm-hmm. and it was her. But then I'm like, okay, well, does that mean that Gideon could be a necromancer? I mean, she is the daughter of God. Right. So maybe there's that potential. Or, you know, had it been a different sperm, a different a different part of the emission. Like, different, oh, God, <laughs> the necromantic emission. And then, and then they're like... Augustine's like, well, when, when God's like, how did you do it? And Augustine's like, Mercy Morn, don't ask. And Mercy Morn did it. And God's it like, Morn, I didn't not. even. And Augustine's like, Mercy Morn. Mercy Morn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, clearly he'd never heard of fucking, like, uh, pre-ejaculate, which is totally, like, <laughs> like, we're aware of that nowadays. Like, why aren't Well, I'm wondering <laughs> also if if because they said oh my god i can't believe it worked because it was like 12 months old or whatever i'm like well he's a necromancer he's undead he's clearly been preserved yeah so i guess his emission yeah they were still viable also after, undead after 12 weeks i think not 12 months but still 12 like weeks sorry yeah, it's, yeah. It's... but still like because that must be why he was so careful about not letting his blood out like mm-hmm. it never all of his bodily stuff is just as endless as he is. I'm like, ew, when God takes a crap, like where where does it go? Like it's just like rivers of urine and like horrible, horrible path that my, my brain went down. That I've now brought you down, so please join me. Uh yeah, down here in the sludge. This is not the uh, the, the actual sludge of the river. Yeah, this is not the clean Sabriel River. Oh God. Let's go on to all of our favorite, our funny, the funny fucking shit, as the, our note says. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know. Like, all of it, all of it, at least on my initial, like, notation of funny shit was from the, um, was from Gideon's perspective. So it's all, like, of course. crowded there at the, at the end. It was just, like, bam, 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 you know. But I think the one of the funniest was um, when she's describing... The, the the dinner party where they're you know gonna prepping to kill you know Gideon Prime as an act of meaningless rebellion you applied the sacramental skull of priestess crushed beneath beneath the new laid rock the least beautiful skull in the canon and like I don't know why that one just got me but it's like it is such a fucking passive aggressive kind of move like I have to go to this fucking fancy party and you put me in a handkerchief and like I you know what fuck you worst makeup ever. <laughs> Well, that, and then when Gideon comes back and she makes fun of the lictoral robes, the, like, pearlescent, yes. like, weird kimonos that they wear, where it's like, she's like, you guys look stupid. Yeah. No, no, it's not that you look, well, uh, I shrugged off that stupid white robe, which looks dumb as hell, by the way, like Silas and got into the glitter drawer. And so, like, we've spent the whole time with, like, Harrow sort of self-describing them as, like, pearly and nacreous and, you know, mm-hmm. opalescent and, like, this all these really, like, beautiful, delicate, like, terms. And then, like... It's glittery. It's, They're it's, glittery. It's the fucking glitter drawer. And so now it's, like, you know, totally, like, tacky, like, dance spandex where you kind of... Yep. Yep. Amazing. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, but the... Uh, I think the one that that really like got me was the painting. Um, oh god! <laughs> I'm gonna steal myself and attempt to get through this without like laughing. 
She took us, gagging every time we got too close to an oozing, sagging space bee corpse, which was a much more comfortable way to laugh at her than watching her mocking mouth form the word butthole to an amazing golden white room. I was almost too stressed and distracted to appreciate that awe-inspiring painting of the banging cavalier holding a melon with her necromancer friend standing on a plinth while the, weaves, while the wind blew leaves to hide his junk. That was art. Completely worth dying for just to see for myself. <laughs> oh, God. It's funny because, you know, we knew it existed because Harrow had been staring at it whenever she slept over Ianthes and she hated it. Yes. She's like, I don't like them. I don't like what? I don't like that they're all naked and it actually connects with what you said about all the different like skulls that they can wear because when they resurrect the ghost of Matthias uh Nonius and he has like barely any paint on him, right? Mm-hmm. He has just like a couple marks on his on his chin. I was just like, Oh my god, like the ninth house has clearly gotten more conservative, more theatrical over time, mm-hmm. and more like nun-like. And... Yeah, like e- even though there's a, a call out somewhere in the text that they weren't like, it wasn't nuns in the sense of like non-procreative. It was just like their allegiance was to the tomb, you know, like no matter what, and that that's what right. that's what they were swearing their vows to, not to like celibacy, but you know. Yeah, at the same time, they're just, I don't know, Harrow herself is just very prim. Um, Oh, very prim, yeah, so she doesn't want to look at naked, naked people. Yeah, and and I think she also is maybe a little bit, like, sensible of the the link to the history that, like, wow, this was, you know, someone who became a lictor, he killed his cavalier, or, or, or she chose to die, you know, for it. Um, He brought, he intentionally brought all of these paintings, like, to help him remember her. You know. Right, and we know from other writings uh, that have been released that you know, it's a it's a big no no to be stupping your cavalier, right? <laughs> like big, it's it's gross, right? Like that's one of the th- the faults of the fifth house is that they kind of do that. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, that that here's just more evidence that they were like painting each other naked and like getting it on. <laughs> Yeah, but I I also just love love Gideon's like jock attitude. She's like, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna call it what it is. Hot. She's fucking hot <laughs> and like gives no fucks about like the the, the art history or the pretension of it because like there's a whole history. And I, I'm, I'm you know who the fuck am I who the fuck am I to lecture you about this? You have a goddamn <laughs> art history degree, you know. But like there's reasons why like there were always leaves blowing over junk and like holding the strategic melon and you know stuff like that. Like there was always reasons. Mm-hmm. F- that that was done in painterly traditions and you know there was symbolism and there was meaning like for all we know they were like recreating some you know famous fucking masterpiece and Gideon doesn't have any idea or give any fucks about right. that and <laughs> and also pornography has always existed yes and the campiness of that right the campiness of the of the peeping is is shows that these people had senses of humor mm-hmm. and like that these saints these you know these long dead saints were just like horny you know campy yeah jerks <laughs> which is also amazing yes yeah they were definitely they were they were human in you know all of its various um and varied right. aspects i basically love everything that mercy Warren says like out of all of the out of every character in the first and second book i have never related more 
to a character <laughs> than I have to Mercy Morn. There's just something about her that I loved. Um, just the way that she was just so over. It. And the fact, you know, she's like, you are only two years old. <laughs> like, oh, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. I go to con and I'm like, look at all these babies. They're all five. Look at all these five years old. They're amazing. Aren't they special? <laughs> special. Uh, what else did I really love? I really loved the space bees. Horrifying, I know, but they reminded me of, well, one, I love that they, like, make sense, that they, like, this is, like, literally what bees do when they attack things. They, like, swarm it, and then they they beat their wings, and they heat it up from the inside. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's how, I think that's how bees, like, kill wasps. So... I love that that was, like, real. That's what they were doing at the space station. But I just love that they were also, like, they weren't just space bees. Like, they weren't just, like, the bugs from Ender's Game or, you know, something, like, plucked and, like, pushed into this book. They were changed. Just like the river was changed. They were made fucking horrible. They mm -hmm. had, like, human hands and feet. And they were on backwards. And, you know, they were, like, crab crawling along. And they reeked. And each one of them had a different mouth and different set of eyes. And Yeah. Like, they were super, just... they were super fucked up super fucked up and almost it is a very visual book and every like visceral i think more than visual mm -hmm. because it's like you can feel it you can smell it you can hear it can you really picture it or is it just beyond your like mental sight yeah and and that and that's kind of implied that everybody like sort of experiences them a little bit differently so in that way they're almost like a boggart like what is your like worst fucking you know insectoid nightmare mm -hmm. you know yeah there's also, I also noticed that, like, the lictors would go, like, it, like the resurrection beast, the brain in the river, the actual beast itself, or the bees, the heralds, they cause that, like, fear release in the lictors. So, like, Mercy Morn is screaming while she's poking it with her ra with her rapier, and mm -hmm. um, Augustine is also, like, like he says over the, you know, over the comms, like, it's just gonna get worse, and Ianthe's, like, freaking out, like, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen to Harrow. It, I mean, Harrow gets scared. Mm -hmm. But then, like, when she leaves her body and is replaced by Gideon, like, Gideon isn't feeling that. She's not, like, when she's interacting with the bugs, they're gross. Mm -hmm. But she's not losing control of her faculties the way that well that the other the, the lictors do. but to be honest we don't actually see any of the the lictors when their cavalier has control because mercy morn very intentionally withdrew herself from the river back to her body um in right. in order to kill harrow and then go kill john and then um I, by the time she you know sees ianthe ianthe has also like dropped out of the river so right. like we don't know whether any of the cavaliers would have responded the same way gideon did or not well do you think that the cavaliers like are there in their bodies in the same way that gideon is i don't think that they are because their souls have been eaten so I, I think that they're more like automaton maybe yes yeah um but i mean would, would those would those sort of mindless instincts you know be afraid or would it just be like mm, sword smash i, yeah. I can hit yeah. that let me go hit it <laughs> yeah it's just like yeah I, I i wonder um yeah i just love the visuals i love everything about it i love this huge space station covered in bones that have been jeweled and painted <laughs> and arranged into just insane like it's just so metal it's so weird but also really human like mm -hmm. if you think about churches and mm -hmm. 
you know all that shit like we did we used to do that it's like not cool anymore but dude we used yeah. to do that and like, all the old churches have like people buried under the floor and in the walls and like yeah, yeah. it was an honor and, you know people people carried around like you know the hairs of their lost loved ones and all you know like it's it seems inhuman but it is very human yeah to take the bones and implant them in the space station and yeah it's just a different view because like my view of like them when they're sitting and eating and eating is like it's like the um the scenes where they're all eating together in like the alien movies <laughs> but with skulls and like rib cages and femurs <laughs> and fingers and it's like the goth version <laughs> yeah or like the very like very medieval church version yeah but a church in space and god is dead and god is now some dude named john <laughs> Which brings me to Blood of Eden before we get to the poetry yeah. that I definitely want to talk about. Yeah. So Blood of Eden, we don't really know too much about them. We know that they that that John Gaius considers them a terrorist organization and that they have nuclear bombs because he says to Commander Wake, who was clearly either the creator of Blood of Eden or was a, a an important member of blood of eden i can't really understand how old wake was yeah um it's very ambiguous and very ambiguous whether or not she was like a recent in terms of the timeline like a normal lifespan person or whatever right but she you know she's on the poster so she was important why was that she's a really good fighter was she engineered was she just you know naturally born who knows but they call themselves Blood of Eden. Really important. Like, is Eden Earth? Are these the human beings that were not on Earth or not in the system when, you know, everything went to shit? Uh, have they existed since the beginning? You know, what? I, I love all of that. And I love that you think that they are the bad guys. And then at the end, you're kind of like, I don't know. I mean, I I pretty much think that they're good guys. But I'm, it could be ambiguous. We might learn more. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard to say without having a better understanding of the it, essentially intergalactic politics. Like, because you know, on on the one hand, um, obviously the necromancers are the protagonists of the story, so we're naturally drawn to be on quote their side. But at the same time, you know, if you think like if you kind of pull back from that and look at you know john as having this ever expand ever expanding empire and this ever expanding army and invasion force and he's always like pushing you know outward to the you know new edge of beyond well mm -hmm. that doesn't that just sound like all the fucking evil empires we've ever seen exactly and, and like if all of their technology and all their power is based on you know the fan energy right the death the, mm -hmm. you know, the soul death of all of this stuff and they have to keep going to these planets and flipping them either kill you know either a lictor kills it or they literally land and wage war like what is the cohort doing like mm -hmm. they land on these planets and they fight somebody they fight people that are there mm -hmm. and they kill everyone and then they bring the the necromancers in and then the necromancers are able to use all of that yeah that energy so yeah. like what is the, is the is the expansion just because you eventually run out of power and you need more power or like is there a plan exactly yeah it's 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 not said and you know i i personally am deeply uncomfortable 
you know, with the idea that we're going to go to this, you know, planet that's just living its little planet life and kill it for our own ends. Like, mm -hmm. no matter what those ends are. Like, I don't know, that, that makes me really uncomfortable. Like, it's, it's one thing to think of necromancy as being, um, like, taking power from those who are already dead because it was, like, their time or you know, it, the light, the, just the natural life cycle, things are always dying, you know, like the seventh house basically had managed to um, gain power from their, their own living death. Like as, as an organism, every breath, breath you draw, like is one breath closer to your ultimate ending, you know? So there's obviously like some power that you could gain there. That's, that's a necromancy that I don't have a problem with, but a necromancy that's derived from the, from, from murder, like all of a sudden, I'm I'm not into that. Like, yeah, and Abigail says that there are other forms of necromancy that like people don't maybe they don't realize or they don't pursue or you know there, there's something else mm -hmm. there's something else out there and they've just been they have been codified into these nine houses and the types of necromancer that necromancy that they use mm -hmm. that's that doesn't mean that's all of it right i mean clearly yeah and and i mean like i god we, we i guess we didn't like say this specifically but i abigail was the standout character for me like she oh, yeah. was fucking brilliant like what a mind and you know uh coincidentally like she you know she died first but i also kind of feel like she and her cavalier probably if anyone could have figured out how to do it correctly it would have been them you know um right and well and, that, and they said that that's why kitherea took her out was because she would have known something's going on with her mm. with dulcinea mm -hmm. right like yeah um but um but yeah, because she was too, she was just too good. And like, that's, it's not made clear in the first one because they have such unassuming personalities or like, you know, her husband's such a goofball, but like, she was fucking brilliant. And, um, you know, when she, when she was like giving her speech, like, I hope my brother finds my notebooks, you know, I'm like, mm -hmm. I hope he does too. And I hope he's just as smart as you are. <laughs> yeah. But also goes back to the root of like, why were they, why is it supposed to be anathema to fall in love with and marry your necromancer is it because if you do that lictor becomes even more of an abomination yeah or you know it it would tempt you to find another way to do it more so than when it's somebody right that... and then you would become a rival to god yeah yeah so either way that's probably more yeah yeah um let's talk about the poetry yes please oh my god um so this has to like so there was a um a great quote um and i i think i wrote it in one of my notebooks and didn't bring that but it was something about how poetry is the longest shadow a civilization can cast across time or something like that so clear and that i think that i think it was john who said that but like clearly that's you know tamsin's perspective on poetry because um basically <laughs> um Ortis. Everything's in poetry. Like everything is. A, oh, it's amazing. Yeah. So Ortis managed to, and, and there's a little bit here of like like the idea of constructing gods and constructing heroes. But like Ortis managed through having written, you know, eighteen books of the Naniad to retroactively make Matthias Nanius this fucking badass, like badass to end all badasses, um, who could like fight a fucking resurrection beast, badass soul. Um, sure, like nearly by dint of his devotion and his fucking poetry like he wrote like 
like his poetry created um rules that then became imposed upon the bubble space because of of the words he had written like he had bound so much power into that and uh, like I, I think he was definitely helped by by Harrow's power because you know remember Palamides's bubble mm-hmm. was very small, and Harrow's bubble was the entirety of Canaan House. Yeah, and they were all inside of that, right? So like she's already dealing at like a completely different level, and then Ortis got to like play in it. Yeah, and impart his will on something that he probably wouldn't have been able. I mean, he was a cavalier, but he would have been able to do himself. Right. But but also, like, it wouldn't have been possible if he hadn't put, you know, like, I mean, so, like, I started writing poetry when I was, like, 12 or 13. I think 13. We'll, we'll be generous and say 13. And um, so he was, like, you know, in his mid or late 30s when he died. So he had maybe 20 years that he'd been devoting to, like, the, the study of craft and maybe even, like, into writing this book. So he'd also put a significant, like amount of his and reciting yeah. it enough to where harrow knew it yes <laughs> yes like she, she was surprised at how much she knew but like she could <laughs> <laughs> you know but i would also imagine there probably wasn't a lot of literature in the ninth house so maybe like she read it just for something to read it's like well yeah I, you know i love again you know we talked about how characters that we didn't really get to know in the first book so, suddenly shine in the second book and ortis oh my god like ortis was nothing in the first book he was annoying like little dursley boy yes. who just like dies off screen and then you realize no he's he's got a lot of like depth to him mm-hmm. and yeah he wasn't like a great fighter and he knew that yeah but gosh he still fought his ass off with this poem. Yeah. And, you know, he, he chose to stay at the end. He chose to, to be brave, you know, in, in death in a way that he hadn't been in life and to use the weapons that he had, you know, which was yeah. like his, his belief and his devotion, you know, to the cult of, of Matthias Nonius. And um, I don't know. It just, it, it, it was just so cool. Um it was really cool. It was really cool. And I'm not even, like, a devotee of poetry. Like, I, you know, I, I, I read all the basics that were part of my education, but I don't, I don't generally read it as for fun. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I just thought it was so, it was, it was good. Yeah. Uh, there's also, like, it's not the only poetry, right? Like, there are references to uh, Edgar Allan Poe with mm-hmm. Annabelle Lee. Yep. Uh, even uh, w- Wake's full name is like a reference to several different like songs. Well, it, it was so it's like a reference to Henry V and the like New Zealand national anthem, I think, and then an Eminem song. Uh, right, which you know, fine. But songs are also poems. Yeah. and yeah, they they not only. This is also why I'm confused about Wake's age, by the way, because I'm like, what the hell is this? Were you named later on by someone who was who is just as old to understand these references, <laughs> or are you this old yourself? But you know, like these are also great, uh, you know, poet, you know, poems, mm-hmm. songs. Yeah, I mean, not great. I don't know if I mean Eminem is really I, good yeah, at Wake. I, 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 I would not, say let's not. I, 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 I would say that Eminem is like he's he's a good poet, like. In it, yeah, it's it's a, it's a style that like may may not have a lot of respect from like the literary establishment, but he is very good at what he does. Um, I, yeah, I, I actually, and it's like it's a, it's a meme, mm-hmm. but it's also like yeah. buried underneath that is like oh, actually, these are like national anthems are really important mm-hmm. in creating identity mm-hmm. and they endure. And 
you know, rap is modern poetry, mm-hmm. and and then you have the, the reference to the to the great, right? Yeah, to Shakespeare. Yeah. So it's just like whoa. Okay. So it's sort of this like line of, of continuity. Um, and it, I mean, the thing is, I I would I would say that I, it didn't occur to me that Wake was anything other than a contemporary. I I, I read those maybe as coded like fragments of Earth that was that. You know, right, because she it says, through. like, my name is supposed to make you think of all the things that you destroyed, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Like, she could have been named by someone in Blood of Eden who knew, you know, who who made it a point to know about those things because mm-hmm. it was the last bit of culture that Earth produced. Right. Uh, but, it, you know, it could also mean that she herself is just as old for some reason. Yeah, I, I mean, it, yeah. It, well, there's, okay, so obviously um, this is literally just occurring to me um we see that john had preserved a bunch of people from like right Mm -hmm. after the resurrection and that's what he sends down to renew the ninth house house with and he's like i felt bad just like leaving him you know forever asleep (laughs) you know or whatever it is correct yeah you're right he did have all those people that he had resurrected yeah so it's possible that maybe the blood of eden are from like i don't know was there like a, a ship that like was supposed at some point that that got that got recovered that yeah. was recovered or they woke them up you know instead of whatever was supposed to happen to them like that who knows which makes sense because her name is wake mm. awake mm-hmm. oh you're smart uh, well we'll we'll, we'll, we'll see <laughs> we'll see if that pans out we'll see if that pans out yeah yeah i love i love the i love the poetry i lo- I, I love that he, that ortis got to shine that way yes and also um as as a segue into the oh. very confusing epilogue oh, oh. that we can try to figure out. Yeah, I have one more thing oh. on the poetry because this was hilarious to oh, me. Oh, go ahead. Um, was the the competing poetry styles where um, oh, yes. you know because because like or- Ortis obviously has this very like formal. Yeah, you know, he's writing in like blank verse enneagram, which is like nine meter. You know, and it's very like it's echoing. Why am I talking in meter? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like it's echoing some of the really great like epic poetry like the war poetry and things like that um and you know and then like it's um abigail's abigail's husband talks about like typical like fifth fifth house poetry and it's much more like modern poetry where it's you know like yellow you know the sun is a yellow flower and i am an earthworm and you know the rain and like the cloud and, and he's like please god i want to hear more of the good yeah. stuff Tell, please let somebody have what for i just for <laughs> what one, for? once in my life i want someone to have a good what for and here i was like oh you poor bastard there's 50 more lines of speechifying before anybody gets what for but then it's like 200 <laughs> lines of what for so at least like apparently ortis does eventually deliver um mm-hmm. but just yeah so i just want to say that when i was younger and i was still thinking i would write fantasy novels a pretension that i had was to have this piece of literature that, you know, like an epic poem that gets referenced just sort of casually the way we, you know, in our culture still throw around like Shakespeare, like Byron references, and then mm-hmm. actually write the epic poem because one of my bucket, bucket list goals has been to write an epic poem. And so I, you know, if Tamsin has this idea and actually writes the Nani ad, like I will be the first fucking person to buy it. Like that will, that would make my life complete like to read that the fucking 18 book you know any a meter uh story of matthias uh nonius right well then there's protest how do you pro Pro, Pro, protest allowance i was saying it protest i don't know okay 
Yeah, I'd have to look up. There is a great pronunciation guide that I am not looking at, but uh, we'll just call him Pro. <laughs> he also has his own uh, poems yes. that he was writing. Yes, and like the little rivalry where Ortis is like, the one thing I had, like I couldn't be a good cavalier, but I could be a poet. And then here's this dude who's like the like most baller, like muscle bound, like yeah, I'm a cavalier. Yeah. You know, I'm a hero, bitch, <laughs> and I write poetry. Muscle on muscles on muscles. He's basically Geralt of Rivia. Yes. At this point. <laughs> and he's a poet. What? <laughs> amazing <sighs> yeah oh. okay yeah so then the the epilogue but i love that the meta textual stuff because it just it also just builds builds the you know the world building yes. makes it even deeper even richer because they have their own literature they have their own mm-hmm. stuff that they reference internal re- like oh i love it internal references perfect yes and uh, all right yeah so so um, this ending <laughs> so this fucking ending okay uh yeah oh there's two parts to the what three parts to the what the fuckery of the ending so let's take us so we know that ortis created this you know he summoned the greatest most badass warrior that ever the ninth house ever produced Mm -hmm. and then hit you know he and pro and um the second house uh what's her name uh not judith but the other one yeah yeah the other one Ooh, I'm gonna get her name right. I still have to go back and forth to the list of people. Like honestly, it's there's so many characters. Marta. Marta, yeah. Dias. Right, Dias. Okay. So I say Diaz, but apparently Tamsin made a joke about Dias. So anyway. Uh <laughs> so yeah, so Marta, Pro, Ortis, and Nonius. That's everyone, right? Yeah. They decide they're gonna go fight the resurrection beast's brain or whatever that's in the river. And we don't know what the ending of that fight is because even though Gideon Prime comes back in real time, which I assume is happening parallel to everything that's happening in the bubble, mm-hmm. with, like right before uh, the the Erebos kind of you know dives into the river, yeah, or is the, uh, that's not Gideon, that's his calf, mm-hmm. Pyrrha, which in. Right, which implies that Gideon is still out there fighting with the rest of them because they had joined him to like help, or 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 that he got killed because I'm pretty sure she like she says to to Gideon and Hera's body he 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 died, like yeah, but, but I the way isn't there like a pause where I'm just like is that real? Uh, there I, maybe I I didn't. I didn't pick up on that. I, guess, I, I, yeah, I, well, I, guess. I assumed he had been eaten by the resurrection beast and that she was alone in the body at that point. But okay. that's also, I don't know that it's directly said. Nothing is real. Yeah. You never, you never know. know. It could just is. be her, yeah. her saying that to move the, the but that doesn't yeah. mean that the others aren't still fighting. But, so right. Like, that's yeah. all still going on. Yeah. And then, and then we have these fucking epilogues that jump in time and you're like, wait, wait, where, what happened to all of my faves? Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, so the first one is Harrow exiting the river. Yeah. Best guess, Harrow has exited the river, and she can exit the river anywhere she wants. That's the rule of the river. Mm -hmm. And she has done, she has gone back to the ninth house. She is in the tomb. The tomb is empty. She crawls into the tomb, and in it is a sword, Gideon's sword, or a sword because whatever Gideon should have her sword right and 
the the titties of the fifth house or the <laughs> frontline titties of the fifth house <laughs> frontline titties of the fifth house which she notes is not a real publication so is this really happening right or is she in another fucking bubble right no idea um yeah so my my guess is that what Harrow is seeing in her mind is not the physical reality. Um, and there's some a little bit of, like, textual supports for this. Um, you know, things like how the, the icy tomb just seems so warm and soft. And, you know, it, it literally says, um, like, that it felt like she was lying, you know, lying on a pillow you know, or tucked into a, a warm bed with a pillow or something like that. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, I, so to me, it's, what I think it is, is that Harrow's mind had to construct some narrative um, for what her body was doing or what her soul sense of body was doing. Um, but that she is somehow physically like leaving the river but, I, you know, but then it's like, okay, so what happened? Is she in a body or is she some disembodied soul? Does she, like, regrow her? Is she in, the so- is she in a sword now? Like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> like, what, what, what physical thing is she now anchored to? Does she somehow, like, as a soul exiting the river, like, re- but a lictor regenerate a- her own body? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't, yeah, no idea. All we know is that a lecto is not in the tomb. Right, so so she, so either she's literally in, you know back home in the in the in the ninth house tomb, and Electo's body is no longer there, or you know she, even when she conceptualizes the tomb, Electo Electo's is body. not there. Yeah, but I I so I'm leaning towards it was real only because I think again I think that's where they were keeping Gideon's body, mm-hmm. um because of that stuff. But it, it could also just because it was those things that drew her to that to the sword maybe maybe she is anchored to the sword now because the sword is good at that the sword didn't <laughs> it's, it's been used before it had a nice little hole in it you could crawl into uh so yeah there's that and then there's the final one where we have this person we'll pause who doesn't know who... no no because you forgot gideon so like gideon in harrow's body oh, yes. like dies in the like in the river um and then has this um flash of being given cpr by the body and she's like what the fuck at the moment of death like it's not my memories it's not your memories it's not the two of them together it's your goddamn dead girlfriend yeah <laughs> right but i i feel like that that happened before harrow exited the river um uh, so like it's in a weird i don't okay, know so the, me, me... Uh, in in the text like gideon dies and then we jump to 30 minutes before and that's when harrow has the conversation with Dulcie and goes through her thing. And I, I kind of feel like it was meant to be like that, that those things are happening simultaneously that Harrow fought. Right. It says half an hour ago. And then yeah. we come, we cut into after Dulcie has said whatever important ass shit she was going to say. Right. You know, so it's, and basically being like, look, see your body out the window or I saw your body out the window and it was not being puppeted. Someone's in it. I think it's obviously it's Gideon. Yeah. So, we know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so I I think that um the so simultaneously that simultaneously Harrow lay, lay down to sleep or to die or both and Gideon like lost, you know, like 
you know, the body died and she's having that like final moment of like, you know, the, the body meaning electo. Right. It says a final blurring of the edges between us, like water spilt over ink outlines, melted steel, mingled blood, Harrowhark and Gideon, Gideon, Harrowhark at last. But as everything went black and I died the second time around, I didn't see you. I didn't even see me. The final thing I saw was a great sunshiny light. A blurred figure hazing in and out around the edges. At first it looked to me like a woman, a gray-faced, dead-eyed woman, with a face so beautiful it almost went out the other side and became repellent. (laughs) A woman with my eyes, dimmed dark yellow in death, whose hair fell in wet leaden hanks. I realized with exhausted indignation that at the end of everything, after all I had been through, after the last word, the last strike, the last drop of blood in the water, your bullshit dead girlfriend had come to claim you. (laughs) And then they start the chest compressions. Yeah. I feel like that happens after because Dulcie wouldn't have been like, I saw your body drowning. She right. would have said, I saw your body out there. Well, right. But yeah, so so Dulcie tells Hera what she tells her. And so Hera's like, oh, fantastic. I'm free to go. And so she's like, I'm going to leave Gideon alive in my body and like intentionally goes somewhere else. And so she's maybe trying to go home, like, mm. you know. Um, because she thinks because of all the conversations that she had with all the ghosts mm-hmm. all the revenants that going back means consuming Gideon so you think she's gone somewhere else she's letting Gideon have her body yeah, and Gideon dies and then for whatever reason Electo's there yeah and they do CPR after they've fished her out of the river yeah okay yeah so that's what that's what I think but I but I think that Harrow's journey like back along like the dark hallway and then she like comes out of the river like in 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 the icy water of the tomb you know um moat or whatever and then she goes and like i think caro's yeah, journey is... think about it i don't think that's a real place well, right it can't but be. that's what i'm saying I, th- I think her journey took about 30 minutes like her little meditation to get there so whatever her soul thought it was doing like that's the visual it took and so i think it's simultaneous like harrow kind of closing her eyes and then gideon dying in harrow's body like i think those are simultaneous um in terms of okay. actual timeline um but what that means, like, fuck, I don't know. So we have two souls anchored to essentially the same body. Mm-hmm. The body dies and is brought back. So where do the souls go? Abigail had said that the souls will always be drawn back to their body. Mm-hmm. So Harrow gets first dibs, Pres- essentially. Presumably. But then that would mean that if, you know, if Gideon's body is preserved and waiting, then, sh- you know, maybe she goes back to her own. Right, and if so, we know that they have Gideon's body. Mm-hmm. One because Gideon wasn't at Canaan House, and two because Mercy says when they showed me the body, I didn't look at the eyes. Right. Yeah. So, so Blood of Eden definitely has her body. Yeah. And why would they keep it unless she was alive? I mean, Electo's alive. It just goes to show that Gideon must be alive. So then that brings us to the, to the epilogue, which is six months after all this shit goes down. Yes. <laughs> And they're on some city planet that feels very much like, I don't know, New York or, you know, like a, mm-hmm. like a city that has a lot of density, apartment buildings, mm-hmm. bodegas. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this person, whoever they are, is in Gideon's body or Harrow's body? I don't know. Like, it's, it's, it's we don't like it's it's ambivalent totally textually ambiguous whose body it is other than it is some someone who identifies as a she or at least you know um because it it says she was in the care of three people you know she you know she was so that's what corona beth judith 
and uh, who else was there? Camilla. Camilla. Camilla Hecht. Oh my god, I forgot Camilla Hecht. Strike me yeah. down. Sorry. And so like one of them's sort of um, putting bones in front of her. Just whatever feels natural. But they have to do right. that. It's like, like, are you a necromancer or are you a sword And then the, And, and then another you? one puts a sword in front of her. Just whatever feels na- natural. And it, But the fact that she can actually do crunches and stuff makes me feel like they're in Gideon's body. <laughs> Whoever this is is in Gideon's body. Because yes. Pharaoh can't do it. <laughs> That's my only textual reference. <laughs> yes. Like, you can pick up a sword. You're definitely not in Harrow's body. <laughs> right? You can do anything at all besides lay there flop like a fish. Yeah. Must be in a muscle, muscly body. And they're, and, they're, and they're definitely not in necromantic space because they have to, like, go to, like, the top of the 50th floor and, like, have all the windows, like, blacked out to, like, give her the bones and, like, let her try any, any necromancy. Right. And I'm wondering also then if that, if, if it is, let's say it is, let's say it is Gideon's body. Mm-hmm. They don't know who's in it. Yeah. Presumably the eyes are not doing enough to tell them. Maybe because one is Harrow's eye and one is Gideon's eye. Mm-hmm. Where the fuck is Harrow's body then? Or vice versa. If they have, right. you know, like they were doing chest compressions on Harrow's body. Yeah. Is it destroyed? Did it die? Uh, who, yeah, who physically like pulled, you know, fished her out of the river like is that what electo did so who where the fuck did electo go because like the body that had been haunting harrow at some point it's like hey i gotta go away for a while yeah so who the fuck did she go to you know and then we go back to what ianthe said about a queen yes yeah when ianthe went quote went to see a man about a queen like right after harrow did her lobotomy who the fuck is the man and who the fuck is the queen these are all things that I I I desperately need to read the third book to know. I mean, <laughs> yes, clearly. Clearly, it is it is I mean, you know, these kinds of discussions are very exciting for me because, you know, when a fandom is new and young and we're waiting for the next installment, we can we can you know, we speculate. can Yeah, we speculate, we come up with all these crazy theories. I don't personally get like attached to any one theory over the other. Like if Gideon is done, if we don't see Gideon again after this, like I'll be okay. Like I like, I love Gideon. I want to see more of Gideon. And I feel like narratively we have to see a little bit more of her. Mm -hmm. Um, But we may not. And I'll be okay with that. And then, you know, like shipping Harrow with people, you know, like even Gideon's okay with Harrow not reciprocating. So, you know, I'm not too disappointed by that. If she does end up with Ianthe, I'll think she's an asshole. But yeah, I, although know. considering like the, you know, the devastation of losing Gideon, I'm, you know, I kind of feel like that is locked in, but maybe not. Right, right. Well, and then, you know, you have Ianthe saying, I'm going to marry that girl someday. So yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. And shitty to say if it doesn't actually come through. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, Anthony, you could be an asshole. So. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Uh, what, did, what does Gideon call her? You Corona Beth looking knockoff. <laughs> Something like <Love> that. It. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I love, you know, like whatever happens, I'll, you know, I'll be happy. I just kind of want to know, like, who's Blood of Eden? Yeah. What did John do? Um, what is a resurrection beast even? Yeah. And so there's one, there's one thing that makes like, that makes me, um, 
it was it was something about um the one th- the one thread alone broke the two you know held together but the three was like unbreakable or something like that mm-hmm. so it's like okay so then is it going to be like this weird triangulation of you know um Gideon Harrow Electo the you know power triad or you know because obviously like Harrow and Electo are connected somehow um and Gideon and, and Electo are too so what does that mean like what happens if you actually get three in in a loop Right, if you get the three. Well, I, I just, I feel like Hec- Electo is doomed because she's connected to the Emperor. Mm-hmm. And her, I mean, if she is a resurrection beast, she has to, like, he needs to die. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's done. If she's the key to his death, she needs to die. Yeah. Um, or she at least needs to kill him. Yeah. If she's an alien or an AI or representative of, like, some something else, um, I still think she has a good vengeance like gig mm-hmm. so I, I i don't i don't i don't know if i'm maybe i'm just separating myself from a character so that i don't get attached <laughs> i don't know well it's just it, it, it's we it's so hard to say because like all the lictors have this perspective of her that she's like horrible and a monster and evil except except gideon prime who's like i didn't hate her <laughs> shut up gideon right <laughs> shut up not now um but you know, but yet with Harrow, she's pr- like almost protective, and you know she's like, "Wake up, Harrow!" And you know, you need to lie, Harrow, and you need to like she's she's helping her, and she doesn't. But is this like an Obi Wan Kenobi thing where it's like, <laughs> "I need you because you're my weapon against the big bad, and I'm a ghost"? Uh, may- like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like I made him, but you have to take him out for me. Thanks. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh yeah, that's that's a good point. <laughs> you know, but yeah, from a certain point of view, yeah. But she she just never struck me like her energy around Harrow just never struck me as being like angry, angry, vengeful, you know, ma- maddened, like bestial. Like there was there not, none of the way the the, right. the lictors described no, none her. Of the things, yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's like at the end one of there is an argument that the body is Electo's body at the end only because they are impervious and like don't feel pain mm-hmm. and regenerate really quickly and everything's sort of foreign. So I'm wondering then it like maybe it's not that they're trying to differentiate between Harrow and Gideon in this body. Maybe they're trying to differentiate between, I don't know, Electo and Harrow mm-hmm. instead of Gideon. Like maybe Gideon's back in her own fucking body, rocking it out. And then, the, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like the, this body, then is it could be Harrow. It could be this this you know Annabelle Lee, whoever she is. Yeah, exactly. Um, we just don't fucking know. We just don't know, and we have to know. Um, my last question for you before we end: mm-hmm. Who do you think tried to smother Harrow? after the lobotomy um that ended up with all the nails in the wall oh i think it was wake via the sword and i I say that only because wake clearly had enough like influence um on her mind to like get her to sleepwalk and stick the sword into kithrea's body so she might have had enough you know control to get a pillow like trapped over herself somehow or like maybe the sword was like on top of the pillow, like wedged between like two bear. Like if it was like a hospital bed, like it wedged itself between right. the rails, and you know, 
Yeah, I, I, I am leaning against the idea that, like, it was just her being kind of, like, paranoid and, like, there wasn't anything there or that, like, she got confused because she was wearing the pillow on her head and, like, <laughs> the pillowcase on her head. Like, I, I'm wondering, like, because she could have just been recovering and felt like someone was smothering her even though it was just her veils. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, like, she, she directed her nails at the wall and stuff, it makes me, and also that it was hidden yeah. later. yeah. It makes me feel like either it was Ianthe or because Ianthe would have like not cleaned it up. That would have been beneath her, but she would have moved a chair so you couldn't see mm-hmm. it. Or, yeah, she was physically like compelled the way that she woke up to put the sword in Kitherea that somehow was like fighting, fighting Kitherea. Yeah. Maybe she like came by and peeped in the room. <laughs> And was like, hey, you know what? I don't know what's over here. It could be the sword. It could be this girl. But it's got, I don't like this. I don't like this energy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So final questions. Is it fashion? Yes. Uh, there's definitely some some fashion happening here. The, uh, the necromancer robes are even more fabulous. Or the lictor robes are even more fabulous than the normal necromancer robes and yeah we got that we got that glitter fabric going and the dinner party um the dinner party handkerchief thing yep uh oh god not even god's god's cardigans (laughs) and and mercy morin's pink hair and and ianthe's judgments of what oh god not even corona would wear that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think and you know there's makeup there's yeah i think the the clothing tells a story about the character so yes i think there's a whole apparently a whole canon of like skulls um that you can paint on i I think i kept counting like there's five four or five that are named that we see yeah um all right murder mary fuck um (laughs) okay well i am okay the fuck is easy because clearly like gideon prime slash pira have something going the fuck on uh i'm gonna hit that (laughs) um all right wake you up all right wake me up inside (laughs) (laughs) can't wake up um i uh I think I'm. I think I'm gonna take a chance and marry Ianthe because you know she's. Oh, brave. Um, she's 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 a pretty badass Bia. Like she's she's obviously like uh, real real powerful, and she's you know kind of her in her own twisted way. She's a genius, and if I can you know steal her her heart from Harrow's grasp, like I think she'd actually be loyal. So, um, and murder. I'm going to take a chance and murder the fucking emperor. Like, what a Yes, dick. I agree. I also want to murder the emperor. We might end the world. <laughs> <laughs> worth it. <laughs> yep, worth it. So, yeah, I think murder, let let him get sucked into that, that fishy, teethy river butthole. Go to hell. <laughs> uh, who am I going to marry? Abigail Pent. Oh, fuck. I didn't even think about that. Uh, yep. Marrying that ghost. Yep. And who am I going to I don't know. Mm. Nonius. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't, we don't get. Why not? We don't, we don't know whether he has, you know, another like it maybe did nine chapters of uh, how great a fighter he was, and another nine about how great a lover he was. We yeah, don't know. Yeah, if that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, are there worms? 
not really, but there are big space bees well, and long, long tongues. Yeah, I was going to say that the, the tentacles in the river are kind of approaching worms. Maybe it's a worm hole, worm mouth. Like it's, yes, maybe it's like the sarlacc. Yeah. There's just many sarlaccs at the bottom of the river. Yeah. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> okay, that ends our uh, discussion, our, our completely raving discussion of harrow the ninth what are we reading next yeah so uh i'm gonna keep to the assignment um of the lies of Loch lamora it's actually even more appropriate than it because I, I assigned it after gideon because of the swashbuckling sort of tone and the sword fighting um it's even more fucking appropriate because it's a broken time narrative and so it, it again like this one it has like three or four different or two or three or four timelines that are kind of pastiched together and there's a point at the end where like they all come together and it's amazing so it's it's also probably as long as these two books put together so like it, <laughs> yeah, <fair. so> long. <laughs> cool Liza Blackmore will be next yes and it will not Good take a year again and it will not be a year yeah correct yes no oh this was so awesome and um if 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 somehow you manage to make it through this podcast and have these books completely spoiled and you haven't read them like seriously go read these fucking books they're amazing even our like two hour rant cannot ex like no, encompass not, how much awesomeness the there is yeah no all right cool well i will talk to you later then all righty bye bye